now you face doom. Put on a ray. Another victory. The Dr. Doom cast is filmed before a live studio audience. <laughs> we need canned laughter. <laughs> it's just our laughter. They don't know it, but they, they are participating. <laughs> the audience laughs with us. Yes. Much or is like it at us? At us. It's one of those two. <laughs> Back after uh, we couldn't be uh, we couldn't be stopped after a slight hiatus uh, due to Latvian rebels, uh, we will now broadcast from rotating uh, locations to keep that from happening again, so that we can keep churning out this content. The Doctor the Doctor Doom cast. We're your hosts, Craig and Bill. Back again. It's good to be back. It's yes, good to be back. Be, uh, would that be Latvian rebels or Latvian rabble that was preventing us from recording last week? Uh, <laughs> Maybe both. I mean, we could define it any way we want, but we're going to get into some some quote unquote Latvian rebels uh, here today. Yes, yes, we will. Uh, as uh, the leading Doctor Doom podcast, focused Doctor Doom podcast in the world continues. Uh, we're back, and today we're covering. Uh, we're moving over to a, a different title, "Astonishing Tales," and we're going to look at three issues in this title. I don't know if we talked a little bit about this title particularly. This is, uh, it looks like Doom is just one uh, storyline. There's two storylines for these, in these issues we looked at. And uh, one features Kazar, the other one features Dr. Doom. Did you want to talk a little bit about, let let us know a little bit here, like about Astonishing Tales, what, what this title is about. Yes. Now, Astonishing Tales is kind of like a, um, kind of like a utility title, let's call it. For anyone who is, say, sports or specifically baseball inclined, you know, you got your superstar players out there, and then all good teams have that utility guy. You can kind of plug in wherever you need them, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of what Astonishing Tales was. It it began as a split book for Kazar and Dr. Doom, and that ran um, in the first eight issues. With issue nine, it then became a book – just about Kazar. He just took over the whole title until, uh, let me see here, issue number 20. Because as of issue 21, it then became a book for uh, it, the living Colossus, who was just a, a big stone guy, not to be confused with Colossus of the X-Men. Uh, that ran from issues 21 to 24. And then it wasn't until issue 25 when it, Astonishing Tales became a notable title because that debuted Deathlock the Demolisher, and then he stuck in the title until the end, of, uh, which was issue 36. Mm-hmm. And uh, Deathlock is not an overly well-known Marvel character. However, I always liked him because he was one of the few characters of the time who was from Detroit, and it actually took place in Detroit. Uh, and I found out much later it's because the artist Rich Buckler, who created Deathlock, was a Detroit native. <laughs> and uh, I, I did not realize that until my adult years. I, I just assumed all of the Marvel people lived and worked in New York. Uh-huh. I didn't understand the concept of uh, freelancers and all that kind of stuff. Not at that So point. he was a local guy here um, that uh, I had no idea about. But also, uh, Deathlock is the inspiration for RoboCop because he it was a story of a soldier 
who died and then was turned into a cyborg and brought back to life. He predates RoboCop by a good decade. I believe they even had some Deathlock comics, or actually it would have been these astonishing tales, in RoboCop in like the uh, convenience store scene when it was being held up. Oh, wow. uh, they did have a comic book uh, rack in the background. And I believe some of these Deathlock issues were there like in the spinner rack. Uh, so even they were acknowledging, like, yeah, we're just kind of ripping off your idea here <laughs> for this movie. <laughs> that is a deep cut. That is a reference to the 1987 film RoboCop, which is a terrific film. If you're listening and you haven't seen it, you should go check that out. And if you do, then let us know uh, if that is true. It sounds like um, it sounds like we could you could spot those in the background. So let's see the which of our listeners has the eagle eye to to see this through. Yeah, like I said, I think it was the Deathlock titles, or at least like a couple of these issues. I think they also had Iron Man uh, in there, um, just because of the whole like guy wearing a suit of armor thing. Like they they kind of picked the comics that were there on purpose. They weren't just random issues they threw in there. But that's always a trivia fact about RoboCop I had heard about. But it is a fun movie. It is cool. I definitely recommend it for anyone who likes action films especially stuff that's clearly comic book influenced definitely yeah i think they even say something about that in the movie too um when like there's a news report that is always running every 20 minutes or so in that movie is kind of an ongoing joke and they say something about uh you know kids today can see this hero that they would have only read about in comic books or something and right right Good call. Well, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll cover RoboCop on a different episode, but back to uh, back to this. So, what I wanted to call out too and get your opinion on was there's well, first let me say that there's no on the cover. There's Kazar and there's Doctor Doom. It's sort of a split cover. Um, Kazar seems to be taking on Craven the Hunter. Uh, sadly, Craven does not appear in Doctor Doom's story, so he can't. <laughs> uh, so no one can say who's Craven you. I totally thought of you when I saw Craven on the cover of Fighting Kazar. I was like, oh, that's a Craig story. Because for, uh, for you listeners, Kazar, or, or excuse me, Craven the Hunter is probably Craig's favorite supervillain of all time, even more than Doctor Doom. <laughs> if anybody could, uh, if anybody had to ever step up and take take over the mantle, it's definitely Craven the Hunter. Our Craven the Hunter amusement goes back to some children's Valentine's Day cards from, they might have been from even earlier, but I think we found them in the 90s. And, uh, you know, there's different ones where Spider-Man would say, uh, I'm swinging a, a web around your love or some nonsense. Uh, and Craven's just said, uh, I'm craving you. Uh, <laughs> and that just became, you know, we could they couldn't think of a better line for Craven, but... <laughs> he doesn't appear in Doctor Doom's story, sadly. You know, Craven's best story was Craven's Last Hunt, which involved Craven's death at the end. <laughs> I think that says it all. Like his best story was the one where he died. Yes. <laughs> We're gonna get a whole wave opinion. now. We're gonna get a whole wave of Craven uh fans writing into the show with their with their disapproval of our comments. But um yes. <laughs> I noticed now the artwork on this and these issues it's different than the things we've been looking at with Fantastic Four. Uh, it's it's it's. I thought it was very comparable to the Marvel Superheroes title that we looked at in in overall artwork, but just in inking and coloring and the way the the panels are are presented. 
it, it reminded me more of that than it did say the fantastic four titles or the even the spider-man and avengers ones that we looked at it seems the style seem more akin to that so i don't know if they're using the same art team no this issue uh it is written by roy thomas who seems to be like uh the guy who's taking over writing for Dr. Doom because Stan Lee is now the editor for, well, he's the editor for the line of Marvel, but uh, Roy is now the other writer besides Stan. And so we're seeing his name pop up a lot more. And the artist is Wally Wood, I believe is a co-creator of Daredevil. No, wait. uh, He's the one who designed Daredevil's red costume in issue, was it seven of Daredevil, I think? He fought the Submariner. Wally Wood is definitely like a classic um, old school comic book guy. And uh, he doesn't really have Jack Kirby's, you know, uh, dynamic way of putting the artwork like just off the page leaping out at you. But it's not saying Wally Wood isn't good. He is very good. But you're right in, in how you were saying it's it's kind of noticeably laid out different, kind of more... Uh, I hate to say stereotypical, but I guess just for lack of a better term, just kind of more uh, by the books in a way. And I'm not quite sure how to describe yeah, it. It reminded but me. There of, is a, a difference. It reminded me of when you would see comics like in the Sunday newspaper, and they were laid out differently than they would be in a comic book. Yeah, something like very the, old the Prince Valiant strip. Which is a very old reference, probably. I don't know if people are still reading comics in newspapers. But yeah, very exactly, like the Prince Valiant strip. Um, the I will say that the close-ups on people's faces and things I thought were really well, like the detail I thought was really strong. Yeah, but, yeah, that's definitely one of his strengths. When people, when they would get a close-up of somebody being, you know, angry or smiling or, you know, wonderment or something, I thought that was really there was a lot of time spent there. And again, not that this is bad. It just, I noticed it's a very, I, the, the artwork I called out in my notes, I'm like, this is different. Um, it reminded me of more of Marvel superheroes, which we covered. I think, I don't know if that was last issue or last episode or the episode before. Two of them ago. It, it's hard to remember. <laughs> so this one is, I was a little confused because I think the title on the cover said in the shadow of doomsday. And then the title inside was, Onto You is Born the Doomsman. And I'm assuming that's the actual title of the story. Yes, always default to the actual title, whatever's on the splash page or where it appears in the comic, not on the cover. So a great first uh, splash page of Doom talking to himself about the the moon landing, uh, which I think this is early 70s. So this isn't the first moon landing. This is a subsequent false moon landing that and he's he's mocking the americans for their uh i think uh the quote is their their primitive uh rockets they've sent up to the moon no this actually would have been the late 60s oh, okay. um probably 68 or 69 i forgot to look up the year but um i don't believe we have hit no we're not in 1970 just yet i don't think so this is probably right about the time Right before, right after the moon landing, I would assume. And I get, you know, I'm reading these on different mediums, and there's always a confusion where it depends on how they're stored in the in that particular medium. So, say, the Astonishing Tales that I looked up, there's a date of, say, 1977 or something. Well, I'm like, well, I know, all right, I know this is not that far along. Uh, sometimes no, they base no. it on... 
when it's originally issued. Sometimes it's based on when the issue was issued. Sometimes it's just completely wrong. Um, so the the documentation on, on the exact dates uh, based on where I'm pulling them from is off. But um, Well, now, just to point out, the two astronauts shown on the moon are Buzz and Neil. Yes, so that would exactly. be Neil Armstrong and uh, Buzz Aldrin. So this would be the initial moon landing. So they find a mysterious orb, small, you know, about the size of a volleyball, which they bring back with them to Earth. They present this to what looks to be Nixon, and I guess it would be Nixon if it was that time period. Correct. And Nixon's Nixon's voice activates the sphere, which projects a message from Doom. And I thought this was funny because Doom comes on and says, basically, I you know, I left this on the moon just to prove how superior I am to you and your clumsy rockets. <laughs> and, and he says that you know he's not making any threats or demands now, but he will eventually, and all will obey my you know my threats and demands. This really doesn't have too much else to do with the rest of the story, right? It's just like a a two page intro, just showing Doom messing with everyone. Like, oh, he went to the moon. That's great. I was already there. <laughs> right. It's like a it's like a James Bond cold open or something where there's this this separate storyline of Buzz Aldrin and and Neil Armstrong on the moon. They bring this orb back to Nixon. Nixon activates it by saying he just says something like, you know, what is it or something like that. And then Doom comes in and says, uh, your voice activated this. Uh, I just wanted to let you know, I've already been there. You guys, as usual, are, are way behind. And I'm not even going to bother to do anything right now, threaten you or demand anything. But uh, I will in time. I'll I'll get back to you. And then he's out. So <laughs> just great, great opening doom thing. I, I like when, much like in the Marvel superheroes that we looked at, I like this focus just on Doom as the character. Uh, that they can just put in this extra little cold open on him. We we go from there to Latveria. Uh, Doom's out walking among the people. They're kind of, you know, the people are kind of saying, uh, you know, don't look at him, <laughs> that type of thing. <laughs> well, the um, one guy yeah, goes like, look, the master comes. And another guy says, he walks with a sense of urgency. Quickly, Hans, out of his way. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, there's always the one guy going, look, and everyone's like, don't look, fool. Uh, <laughs> uh, Doom, so he, he goes into the ca- castle. He, he heads down into a basement. A man is working. Doom just immediately says, well, lackey. Is all is all in readiness as I have ordered? This guy says yes, hair doctor. So another Nazi stooge, I would think. Or, or just that you know, it's the quasi-German um, influence in Latveria. Because remember, the architecture always looks vaguely German, so that's what yeah, I'm thinking that is. It's very Bavarian, uh, and as we said, it's it's a little behind the times, but it would be, I guess, for something under a dictatorship and something, you know, in the behind the iron curtain, I guess. Well, uh, plus remember comic books, it's a visual medium. So yeah, they got to get across to you. This isn't New York, you know, this is someplace else. The, uh, the, he says, you know, is this, so, is this ready? As I said, and the guy says, yes. And so doom says, you know, all right, you can go. He says, your usefulness to me is ended. <laughs> uh, so doom do let him like, live. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, uh, he says, you know, Basically, he said, that fool can duplicate, can't duplicate what, what he's done here because he's just implementing Doom's design. What they've come up with is a powerful super being uh, activated, fed and powered and activated by cosmic rays. It looks like the mummy, but with 
a bubble on its head with it's sort of like the uh like an un, like something you'd wear if you went underwater or in the future <laughs> what they thought a, a space helmet would look like it's just like a glass fishbowl on his head well I'm, I'm assuming that's what's feeding him the cosmic rays so i mean the glass bubble is not a part of his costume or his look because you're right he's just all bandaged up like a mummy that's his actual like appearance Right. But um, there's a lot of wacky doodads and stuff in the background of, you know, supposed to be scientific equipment, I guess. Um, personally, I think it's just Dr. Doom setting stuff up to look impressive. <laughs> it's probably like serves no real purpose. <laughs> right. It's all for show. Doom says uh, this creature will walk, talk and conquer, which I thought was a great line. It sounds like that, that should be an album title or some sort of. Bob Dylan song yeah, or something. Yeah, and he says um, he says he was created with Doom's brain pattern, and so a nice little bit of Doom kind of foreshadows his own adventure here. Where he says like, "Well, he's he's created through my own brain pattern, so he can never betray Doom." You know, and then he's like, "Never," which of course, <laughs> now that he said that, we know that that's probably what's going to happen. Bingo. <laughs> Uh, we we go from there to some forgotten uh, catacombs beneath the kingdom where Prince Rudolfo uh, is being hailed by his followers as the he's the rightful ruler of Latveria. He, he kind of looks like a young William Shatner, the way that they drew him here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now that you mention it. Yeah, he sure does. Uh, looks like Captain and, Kirk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we do a little fantasy casting here and now and and we sometimes just kind of throw the rules to the wind. And say, well, you know, if we could have this guy from this era. So if you could, if I could pick any guy from any era to make this into a movie, uh, Shatner might be able to pull this. I mean, he certainly looks like it. Um, and the feature, yes. I thought, like on his, on his face and that is what I was getting to earlier, uh, is really well done. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm so like taken aback by the William Shatner comparison. Because I, I thought that he kind of looked like someone and I just didn't put two and two together. Now I can't not see it. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, I'm talking like uh, Shatner from like you know second season of the original show, probably. Yeah, and that already would have been out, or probably out at the same time this is put out. And Shatner already would have been on like episodes of the Twilight Zone and stuff like that. So he very well could be like the basis for the way uh, Prince Rudolfo looks here. When I, you know, I had to specify because young Shatner, Shatner's like 90. So young Shatner could even be when he was like 60. Uh, so what I'm talking about is like, I'm talking about like 30 year old, 35 year old, maybe William Shatner when he's the original, in the original Star Trek as Captain Kirk. Um, cause, yes, you know, even before his days in like Kingdom of the Spiders and stuff. Even before, <laughs> this is pre TJ Hooker, pre Battle of the Network Stars, uh, pre, pre uh, curly 80s. Uh, perm wig <laughs> by the way uh mr shatner we are huge fans uh do not mistake this as anything else <laughs> yeah please add your name to the guest list uh when you call in uh, we'll definitely have we'll definitely have you on and uh talk about how how well you could have played this part oh man i talk about like seeing me totally nerd out <laughs> to <laughs> oh man <laughs> And so the the character Rudolfo says, you know, basically people are hailing him as the rightful ruler. He says, "All right, we we've talked enough. We got to get to work here. We have got to get back to seizing back control." Uh, and he says he says a, he has a comment. He says like, um, 
it's time for time for me it's time for you to seize for me the throne and uh the one guy is kind of speaks up and says you know it's always you you know we're doing this for everybody it's not just about you you know which rudolfo doesn't cater to at all he basically tells this guy like shut up fool i'm what counts around here I, i'm the ruler and yeah basically he's uh kind of like doom <laughs> yeah well that's what the guy so there's a woman there who's who is with them and this guy kind of speaks up to her and says you know does this uh you know do you think the same way or, or whatnot and she kind of agrees or whatever yeah rudolfo basically tells this guy like you know don't question me he says that doom stole the throne from his family and he'll have it back and he says uh, this woman is the key to the plan. And he asked her, are, you know, are you ready to get the plan underway? And she says, yes. We don't hear much about that, but we cut to later in the day, the same woman. I mean, you can't, it's a small panel, so you can't really tell, but we find out it is the same woman. And she's lying, What I guess what looks to be like near a car wreck. Yes. And, and one of Doom's robots collects her and brings her to Doom. And uh, and base and they they pause this out. So I'm assuming what you're supposed to hear here is like a robotic cadence because there's dashes between each word. So the robot's saying most like master, I have found this woman. She appears to now, be. Let me let me point out this is standard comic book how robots talk, pretty much right up until when the Transformers show up in the mid '80s. They all, they all talk like a speaking spell, basically, which was a, a, yes. a toy that we had to use in the 80s to learn how to spell. And you would even I believe I, I think Ultron even talked this way originally. I mean, for seriously, until the Transformers showed up, like and they just talked normal like this was robot talk in comics. All robots <laughs> just had this cadence, which was, you know, Master, I have brought the woman to you. Wouldn't that drive and... you crazy? Like, you always had to hear that. <laughs> but and then I thought, like, well, Doom being Doom, like, couldn't he have gotten around that? Uh, couldn't he have built them in a different way where that wasn't the case? Um, but, you know, Doom has various grades of robots, too. So maybe he wasn't that concerned with it. Yeah, um, maybe this is just like some random Outer Patrol Century robots. That's all he had to do. He's a busy guy, so he's like, look, I, I don't have time to put the voice activation in all of these things. Like the like the minion robots out on the outskirts, they're just going to get the base package. Um, <laughs> I did notice in the background of when the robot is bringing Doom, this unconscious woman, there's another robot standing in the back, and he's like doing the Wakanda forever pose. <laughs> <laughs> and I sneak in there. Important of things to come. <laughs> yeah. So Doom. So the robot says, "I brought it to you because you know she appears to be Valeria, who we talked about in a episode or two ago." Right. Even though she looks absolutely nothing like Valeria, even to the point where this woman has brown hair. Valeria was shown to have like jet black hair. <laughs> this is and her what facial I, yeah. features don't look the same either. I wrote that. I wrote that down because okay, the guy. You, you assume the plan is like he's going to put this fake. She, he's going to take this woman. She's going to disguise herself as Valeria to try to appeal to Doom, because this is Doom's lost love. Even though Doom had forgotten all about her until very recently. Right. Um, but you're right. Like she just didn't really. She didn't put on a wig, makeup, a costume, or anything. She just the robots like. Well, it kind of looks like her. I, I thought you wanted. You know, would want to take a look. <laughs> 
<laughs> he you, says that she has the single name Valeria. Is that like, yeah. you know, I found this guy in a car crash. He has the single name of Prince. Like, I mean, <laughs> does Valeria not have a last name? <laughs> and what did she have that on? Like, was it on a name tag? Was it on a, a driver's license? I, they don't like. That's what I wondered. Yeah. Like, I mean, was it her driver's license? It just says Valeria. <laughs> under, yeah, other than like Cher and, uh, you know, Prince. I don't know that anybody even got away with that ever. <laughs> well, like Eminem. I, right. I mean, there's a few, I guess. But even he probably had Marshall Mathers on the real, uh, on his actual license. Oh, we don't know. Marshall, <laughs> call it and let us know. So, yeah, you're a local guy, Marshall. Just call us. Right. You're not doing anything, you know. You're you're basking in your in your well-deserved retirement. So, um, but so, so the robot brings it to Doom. Doom is because he's Doom. He's wary, though. Uh, he immediate he doesn't play around at all. He immediately hits this woman with his hypno probe, uh, and gets her gets her to reveal the truth almost instantly. He's like, mm, I'm not sure about this. Let's find out for sure. And he now, uh, let me ask you a quick question here. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you have an unconscious woman brought to you, don't you like hook her up to your hypno probe right away? I mean, it's what I do. Well, it, it doesn't happen as often <laughs> as it used to be, as it used to. It used to happen constantly. The robots would just bring me unconscious women who didn't look like lost loves at all, but the robot would claim that they did. And I just said, well, come on in, bring her in, put her down. Let's take a look. And then I hit her with the hypno probe to find out what was going on. I mean, uh, I pretty much use my hypno probe on all women who walk in the door, regardless if it's a robot bringing them in or they're just walking in saying hello. <laughs> right. It's, you know, your relatives come out, your sister comes by and you hit her with the probe just to make sure what's happening. But the people I, call I, me paranoid. Right. <laughs> well, at first I thought, okay, we're going to, this turns itself around in a second here, because when I read that, at first I thought, well, how stupid was Rodolfo? He knows who Doom is. He thinks this plan's going to work. But we go back to Rodolfo. And his team's giving him a hard time for this. And, and Rodolfo says, well, I knew that Doom would figure this out. That's part of the plan. Um, and his one of his guys gets upset by this. And he's like, you're no better than Doom. You know, you don't let us in on the plan or whatever. And, and Rodolfo punches him and says, don't raise your don't raise your voice to me, swine. <laughs> There's not enough calling people swine. <laughs> so, you know, we're I, I don't know if we're supposed to sympathize with Rodolfo at all. We don't. Uh, he, he's, he's try he's like a, a, a bargain basement doom with these insults and plans that don't go anywhere. But he, he says that doom will hesitate because the girl resembles Valeria and this will lead to doom's downfall. As we've said, she doesn't. So <laughs> yeah. again, his back plan is uh, very shaky at best. Yeah. Like his, you know, his whole plan to get back at, into into the castle and to fight doom and to lead this rebellion involves tricking doom with this woman who doesn't look like doom's love at all I, well maybe we'll find out more so doom says uh so we go back to doom and ramona or uh, ramona was her name i believe uh, before she's trying he they wanted her to uh, doom to think it's valeria but it's not we go back to doom he's with he's with her and he says you shall become the first woman to see the the face of Victor Von Doom, which isn't quite true. I mean, I guess he means in recent times. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah. And I, I was thinking like, uh, I don't even think Sue Storm is 
has seen his face uh, post accident and everything. So if if the invisible woman hasn't seen his face, no woman has at this point in time. So this is what I w- was confused about. So Doom knows that it's not Valeria because he hit her. He hit her with the hypno ray, and she basically said, "I'm not Valeria. It was a trap. We did this to trap you." And yet he still goes like, "Okay, well, I'm going to show her my face anyway." maybe as a testing ground, I don't know, he unmasks himself, and again, the artwork, he, he looks like a 50s movie star, like Kirk Douglas or somebody. <laughs> right, uh, right. He's very chiseled in that, and she she she, she kind of says, well, you know, you're not scarred at all. She's surprised, and she has a line, she says something like, something like, a woman could actually love your face, or something like that. Yeah, yours is a face a woman could love. <laughs> yeah, and, Doom gets rattled by this, though, and he storms off. And he says, I can't live a lie. Because uh, he, he apparently was he was using a, an illusion there. So right. I, I was a little confused by what was happening here. Like, he knows it's not Valeria. Valeria is supposedly the one he loves. He shows this woman his face, an illusion. But he's like, well, I can't live a lie. So, I mean, was he just going to go with it anyway and say, well, it's not Valeria. But, uh, you know, she's kind of pretty. Uh, it could work. <laughs> I think it's either Doom just being manic, <laughs> you know, like like we've seen him do, like with his playing Camptown races and stuff, <laughs> or maybe he was like, like you said, like well, she a little bit if you squint and not pay total attention and lights are off, looks like uh, right. Valeria. Maybe I could seduce her, and then she was like, you know, yours is a face a woman could love, and then he was like. Uh, never mind. He like ran out of the room like he was a scared little boy or something. I know. <laughs> that was a weird. That was a weird turn. So he runs out. He goes back to his the mummy creation he's been working on, and he says, "Well, this is where I truly belong." Uh, I think his line is here amidst the trappings of a life lived only for power. So he's basically like, "All right, I I, I thought maybe I could try this other angle, but no, I got to get back to to what I'm good at here. It's just you know being a man who's." who's obsessed with power and my creations. Um, right. He takes the mask back off. He's going to transfer his brain, uh, or I'm assuming like a copy of his brain, so the, so the creature can come alive. He's, he, he wants to, he's making basically a Frankenstein's monster here. He wants to create this thing that has his brain waves and, and all this strength so that this creation can go out and conquer the world at Doom's behalf, I guess. So Doom doesn't have to get his hands dirty. Right. We go back to Rodolfo. He he sends a message over to Ramona telling her to destroy the power center of the castle. Uh, this message breaks the hypnosis she's she's under. So she goes to do it. She finds Doom working on his creation. <laughs> she's app- he doesn't she's have appalled. his mask on. Yeah, she's appalled by this. She says, um, you're creating a monster here, but you yourself are the most grotesque monster of all. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Which I thought was a nice uh, callback to how Doom is always calling the thing grotesque. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if they meant that at all, but I I, I thought that was kind of a, a nice touch there. And uh, yeah, she's just instantly, and it, it, that had to hurt him because she went from saying like, yours is a face a woman could love to like, you're the most grotesque one of all. <laughs> I wonder why he's so manic. <laughs> she destroys the master panel and, and puts the castle into darkness. I couldn't figure out if Doom was saying this or not, but there's a line kind of between panels 
that says, and with darkness comes weakness, the impotence of doom's most dreaded defenses. Yeah, it looks like it's uh, Rudolfo saying it because the word balloon is pointing to him. Yeah, that one was kind of strange because like Doom was speaking and then they went to that. So when it goes dark, Rudolfo and his team attack. Um, His men are concerned a bit about the guards, but Rudolfo, again, trying to be like a low rent Doom, dismisses them as lackeys. Uh, He says, you know, without Doom leading them, they're not a threat at all. Uh, And without power, Doom's robots won't be an issue either. Um, Yes, because apparently like... His robots are hooked up to the castle's uh, power grid. <laughs> They're not like independent, like they don't have their own batteries, I guess. But I would like to point out that Rudolfo and his people look like they're out of Buck Rogers. Like they, yeah. they each have like a jet pack. It looks like a like an oxygen tube they're wearing on their back. They look like, like I said, just out of the old school, original era Buck Rogers from like back in the 30s. Yeah, I, I couldn't. That's a good way to describe it, because I, I thought they did have a unique look. And I wrote that down, but I, I couldn't think of like what exactly that was reminding him of. But that kind of hit it. So we go back to Doom's creation, uh, which we're now told is called the Doomsman. I don't think anyone had called him that, but the, the narration boxes are telling Correct. us that. This, he comes to life and just sm- smashes his way out of the castle like he's out of control. Much again, this is a lot of Frankenstein nods to the Frankenstein uh mythology here i do like that one of rudolfo's guys uh calls it a devil creature of dooms <laughs> <laughs> the easily led uh, team of rudolfo there um <laughs> he, so rudolfo thinks he's one because they're in and he, he uh but then several holograms show up they're all doom holograms and they start picking off rudolfo's men i thought this was a fun panel because there's like all these dooms around and rudolfo can't figure out quite what's going on um, but they're all holograms of doom. And he's like just picking off Rodolfo's men one by one. Um, they kind of figure out like, okay, this is the real doom. You know, everybody fire at this, you know. and But when they do, it blows up and it's a robot. Um, a doom bot. <laughs> not help, not, apparently not linked, as you just said, to the central power grid because it's, it was able to operate separately. Correct. And doom is not is elsewhere and he's talking through the robot uh taunting rudolfo uh he calls him uh you pitiable wretch <laughs> which uh might be the um one thing one thing i've been doing in the uh, episode titles is just adding i think what we find the best maybe insult or line of the uh of the issue to be so that might be a contender he says yeah, and doom he even says, says that he's known about rudolfo and and his people for months and how they've been like hiding in the catacombs and everything. And he allowed the Viper to strike. So all the better for him to clip its fangs. So doom is actually one step ahead of Rudolfo this entire time. Yeah. This Rudolfo is not impressing anybody at this point. I don't, I don't think, I mean, if there's fans of Rudolfo out there, let's, uh, let's hear from you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll be I waiting. feel like we're going to get, I feel like we'll hear the sound of crickets uh, with that request. He places Rudolfo and and Ramona back under hypnosis. And then he's musing to himself, Doom is, and he's thinking, well, you know, he's pretty confident with Rudolfo, as he should be. Rudolfo is no match for Doom. But he's he's, Doom's musing to himself, well, if I was truly as confident as I say I am, um, you know, because he's remembering now that this creation that he he made has, has fled. It just took off. 
And he, he didn't, rather than come to life and assist Doom, as Doom kind of thought it would, that didn't happen at all. This thing came to life and just went crazy and smashed his way out. Right. Um, and he has Doom's brain. So Doom is feeling fine about Rodolfo, but now he's a little concerned as we reach the end of the issue because he's like, mm, I thought I'm, this might be a bigger problem than, uh, than I'd thought. <laughs> well, yeah, like is Doom surprised that this Doomsman he created with a copy of his own brainwaves would act independently? I mean, is that what Doom himself would do? He, he, now we get to the end of the of this issue. He's a little rattled, and we go right into the uh, the storyline continues in in uh, Astonishing Tales two, which I think if I've got my titles here is I think the title for once matched here, and it was just uh, Revolution. Yes. One thing I forgot to mention in issue one uh, at the beginning, and they carry this on, is they now like in the right around the title. They're calling Dr. Doom the Master of Menace, <laughs> which I don't think they've said before. I mean, the, the characters aren't, but he's being described that way by the uh, by the editing team. Right. Um, I don't think that is a title that sticks around uh, because there will later be a Master Menace. And there will also be another character, the, menace, uh, the Master. And uh, yeah, like... There are names that get assigned to other characters. <laughs> well, they tried. So Probably Doom, Doom just didn't approve of it. Yeah, he, he, you know, it didn't. He came across his desk, and he just he didn't sign off on that one. We get into this next. We carry on right from there. It looked like the same. I noted it looked like the same art team. I think the lettering was different in these next two issues, but otherwise yes. we have the same art team. The uh, yeah, the artist is Wally Wood. He's he's a penciling and inking it. And it says for the uh, the letterer, it's Jean Izzo, and it's spelled J-E-A-N, so it's a woman. It's not like Eugene. Um, I've never heard of her that I can think of, so I don't know what her story is, where she came from. Maybe she just had a short career in comics or was passing through. I have no idea. But, yeah, it does look a little bit different. I guess I've seen some French-Canadian spellings, I think, like that, where oh. it was yeah, like Jean-Luc, right? <laughs> yeah, so I guess, I mean, we don't know, but, you know. But Izzo doesn't sound like it's French or anything, though. Jean or Jean, as the case may be. Uh, if you're listening, please let us know. Uh, we'd like to hear about your work lettering these these issues. Honestly, I think Roy Thomas is the only one left out of all these people. Because <laughs> he, was, he was the young guy back then, and everybody else was older than him. So uh, I, I guess we could ask him. <laughs> see if he remembers if who is Gene or yeah. John Izzo <laughs> let's uh, if, we, if we're able to get him on as a, as a guest let's see if he remembers he'll be like I have no idea I don't even remember that first he'd probably be like you know who are you guys <laughs> tell me again who you are we're like yes we're the leading Dr. Doom podcast uh, in the world and he'll be like mm, I don't know what a podcast is but uh, and then we would just hear uh, dial tone <laughs> <laughs> no he does know podcasts I've heard him give interviews on others so he's actually a, a pretty uh, a funny guy well, hopefully he'll find us funny enough to to come on and let us know the the solve the mystery of who Gene Izzo was. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe it's even a uh, a fake name someone is working under because at the time uh, the artists 
and, you know, colorists and letterers, they were all freelance and they were not quote unquote supposed to work uh, for multiple companies, even mm-hmm. though obviously you can because you're freelance. Um, so a lot of times people did work under aliases. Um, it was Neil Adams who bucked that trend because he was a big enough name and he ran a whole studio and he did stuff um, like uh, advertising and whatnot. So comic books is just a part of his income. And he was like, Hey, if you want me to work for you, I'm Neil Adams, you know? So like he worked for Marvel and DC at the same time. And once he did that, like everybody else started kind of dropping the aliases. So it's possible. Maybe this is that kind of case. But I'm way on left field here. <laughs> maybe some, I thought maybe it was some sort of tax dodge from back in the day where there was just, uh, you know, somebody who was already on the team. And they're like, look, we can't pay you twice. So you're also <laughs> you're also Gene Izzo, if you get my some opinion. sort of uh, uh, dodge or hustle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, Uncle Sam comes down hard on the comic book, uh, the world of comic book art. <laughs> So Not really. Into, <laughs> uh, so we get into we get into this. We get carry right up. Pick up where we left off. And uh, Doom is ordering his people to find the rebels because he's he's kind of won that round. Um, Rudolfo and Ramona are imprisoned by Doom. Rudolfo says, I must escape or Doom will. He's OK. We're going to find out more about this. But it, he just he leads with this and he tells he tells Ramona, I must escape. Or Doom will get out of me the secret of the faceless one. Uh, Ramona's lost. She doesn't know what he's talking about. He says, well, there's <laughs> right. he's, he's, he says, there's a lot you don't know about me, really. And then all of a sudden, he bends the bars of the cell and escapes. So she's probably very stunned. Like, first, I don't know what he's talking about. Second, he has this super strength that I didn't know about and can just escape. <laughs> yeah, there's two things in this page that befuddled me. The one was Rudolfo just like ripping the bars out of the wall to make his escape. I was like, okay, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. And two, uh, it was how Ramona is posed. She's like all kind of sexually posed against the bars of herself. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think she would be worried like how she's posing. Like, do I look good? My leg coming out like at the one bar here and, you know, like, yeah, I think it was just Wally Wood having some fun. <laughs> you, you know, decades before there was Instagram and you had to worry about a thing like that for selfies. Uh, this is our man. Wally Wood, by the way, sounds like a comic book name. Like that sounds like yes. the name a character would have in his everyday life, who then at night was a superhero. Yes, it's uh, it's because it's alliterative. Alliterative. Yeah. That's why. So uh, Rodolfo escapes. But he instantly runs into Doom, who's this Doom, and Doom kind of instantly calls out like that Rodolfo is a robot, and he says, "You know, I, I figured this because you were captured too easily." Um, <laughs> because only robots are captured easily. Rodolfo, the real Rodolfo, does a Doom trick here and speaks from elsewhere through the robot, and then we get a flashback how they explaining this a little bit more. So, the robot Rodolfo was created by Doom. So he could fake, uh, so he could use that to, to sort of legitimate, legitimize his takeover of the country of Latveria. So we get a flashback where the robot Rodolfo 
is there and the prime minister, I guess, of Latvia is, is addressing him and Doom's like, well, I'm the leader now. You can see that Rodolfo has legally signed these papers and uh, is approving that this is all above board. Um, it's wet ink. <laughs> yeah. And so, so it was uh, some something a robot that Doom had created so he could take control of the country legally, which some days I feel like that bothers Doom. Some days he wouldn't be too concerned with that. But for whatever reason, during that time period, he, he didn't he, he wanted to have this a little bit more uh, official, I guess. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it makes sense if you think about it, because Doom is not of a royal lineage. So mm-hmm. it's not like he was in line to take the throne. So therefore, it makes sense. He would have had to have overtaken either militarily or through some sort of shenanigans. And we never knew how Doom became the king of Latveria. So here it's revealed it was through shenanigans. Right. <laughs> and that he held control through fear and military and everything. So the robot Rodolfo goes to run. Doom's guards blasted away. So Doom's not going to learn more from this robot. I was surprised Doom didn't. He didn't want the guards to destroy the robot, but then once it's done, he kind of let it go pretty quickly. I thought for sure he was going to turn around and like crush that robot uh, who destroyed the Rodolfo robot. But he's like, oh, well, I, I guess I won't find out anymore about this. Yeah, I think it's almost like Doom just looks at this all as like uh, not even an annoyance, but just like some minor thing that he's dealing with on the side. You know, it's right. like he's not really giving Rodolfo his full attention otherwise i think this would all be done like real quick right like he's got a lot on his mind as he normally does uh and rodolfo is only a very small part of that um we go back to the real rodolfo who's greeted by the faceless one who he referenced earlier uh i guess this is just his name like he just i don't know if they if they get into this later but the faceless one is 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 here He's telling Rudolfo that um, that the the creation uh, the the what did we just call him the doomsman yeah that that might be the key to Rudolfo's success um, because the doom and and we get all these the things of the doomsman out there like wreaking havoc um, they they go a little bit more into this in a little bit but we, we don't. Do we need to get into like who the faceless one is and how this comes about? I don't think they really properly explain it. No, the faceless one, he's just a dude. He's in a purple suit. He's got a yellow belt and a yellow orb on his head, like mm-hmm. a bowling ball. <laughs> and that's it. I mean, it's it's not a very striking visual. Uh, the most unusual thing is just the bubble on his head. Um, but he's and the almost- one who's, who's giving the orders to um, Udolfo. And they have an interest in watching the doomsmen attacking, quote unquote, border guards. I'm going to assume maybe the Russians. Um, and that's that's their gig. Yeah. And when we say purple suit, we don't mean like the Joker, like a purple I don't know, a leotard or something. I don't know how you want to describe it. Right. Yeah. Like a skin tight superhero suit. So we don't really find out exactly who he is, but. He'll come back in in a in a little bit here. So we go back to Doom, who lets Ramona out of her cell and says it, he's letting her out. He says she's free to wander around. He says it's beneath him to imprison a woman, but he just but had says, her imprisoned. <laughs> yeah, but then he also says, and don't try to escape. 
you know, or you'll die, which, so she's still imprisoned. Like, I guess he means it's beneath him to keep a woman in a cell, like a common criminal. That's what I'm guessing. Like, it's one thing if she's like locked in a cell in a dungeon or something. It's another, if she's just like, you have to stay here in the palace. Yeah, because like we saw, I think a few issues back with the Fantastic Four, um, like he he had he had them captive and he wasn't necessarily keeping them in a cell or something. He was just letting them kind of roam around. But that was a little puzzling. But he he's not um, not too concerned. He he's like, well, you can kind of go around. You you you're not you don't have to be in the cell, but you can't leave either. Um, he says right. he needs to. Yeah, he, he's he's got to get back to finding you know the the creation. There's and I love panel. what she thinks about Doom. <laughs> yeah. She says, how oh, I despise him, his conceit, his sense of smug superiority. <laughs> Which, I mean, we should point out very much like Rudolfo, only Doom can back it up. Right. Uh, and they don't really say what her relationship is with Rudolfo. I guess it's kind of hinted at that she's maybe infatuated with him and, you know, giving herself to his cause uh, she certainly went along with this plan of his, which was not a great plan. Um, <laughs> but she, so she, Doom, for whatever reason, has a handgun in a holster on the back of a chair. Um, like he's some sort of quick draw artist or something. But I don't know. Well, we find out this is a little bit of a test because she spots the gun and she pulls it. But she can't bring herself to shoot Doom, even though she just got done saying how much she hates him. Um, Doom catches on to this and just kind of shrugs it off and says, well, it wouldn't matter. The firing mechanism was, was broken anyway. So even if you had tried it, you weren't going to do it, but he makes a comment there, like something along the lines, I think of, uh, I wanted to see what you would do and, and you proved yeah, me right or something like that. The firing mechanism has been removed. And then he says, now go, I have learned what I wanted to know. <laughs> and she's just like holding your head all like, Oh no. <laughs> so I don't think they go, back to that necessarily but i guess the the implication was maybe he was back to this idea of she could be a replacement uh girlfriend and he wanted to see like well will she kill me if given the chance and she wouldn't have i mean she had the you know he he had taken the firing mechanism out so it wouldn't happen anyway but she didn't pull the trigger so he tested her she i don't know exactly what the result of this test was in Doom's mind, but it, whatever the case, he loses interest in that right after that. And he's like, all right, well, wh- whatever. I, I got better things I got to do. Well, what good is this gun going to do against his armor? So if she had pulled the trigger, if the gun was functional, a bullet comes out and hits his armor. So what? Right. Or as he said, it doesn't work. And she tried anyway, uh, or she just doesn't do it. So either he was testing to see, how much does she hate me? Will she actually try to kill me? Which I don't know. Maybe she failed that test or maybe she passed that test. Uh, he's, it's a little vague. Yeah. Again, uh, I think it's just more of his being manic. Right. Like he, he's, <laughs> he's just in a manic state. Now, granted, he's again, there's a lot happening. So I can see this. So Rudolfo's men are armed by the, the, the faceless one. Do you think the faceless one was a placeholder name? Uh, no, no, because he has that bubble head, so we don't see a face. I, I think that 
probably Roy Thomas came up with the name of the faceless one. And then Wally Wood had to design them. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that probably in, in the head of Roy Thomas, he was thinking he would have this like cool, spooky, you know, visual look to him. Mm-hmm. And then Wally Wood is just kind of like, oh, it's a Friday afternoon. Uh, you know, I got to get out of here. <laughs> right. <laughs> it just came up with this guy with a bubble on his head. <laughs> I think so. That's, that's what just I what I'm thinking. thinking. Right, I, I thought it was the uh, the the Cobra La all over again. Like, well, let's just go with it. We'll call it Cobra La here in the script, but we'll we'll go back and name it something cool later. <laughs> then Hasbro's like, no, Cobra La it is. So Friday <laughs> afternoon, he's like, mm, maybe Monday I'll go back and change all those. And he's like, ah, you know what? Let's just we let's just we got to get on to the next issue. <laughs> so uh, Ru- so Rodolfo's men, I said, are, are armed by the faceless one. They. They're they're besting with with this uh, armament. They're actually getting the better of some of Doom's robots, and Doom's a little stunned by this. But he's um, he basically says, "Well, it's time for uh, time to meet force with force." He's like, "If they're getting a little bit of an upper hand, but I'll I'll see to this personally." So Doom gets into the battle firsthand uh, himself. He's he's getting into the fight. Uh, he has a great line where he says, you were destined for failure the moment you raised arms against Dr. Doom. <laughs> it is a great line. <laughs> really, like, he's 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 got to go do this fight himself. But as always, he's just like, you know, it, it's all it's all just timing. You're not going to win. The, the, when, the, when you first thought of assaulting me, you already kind of sealed your death warrant. So... He goes into the castle. He he finds uh, Ramona and the, the faceless one. And what was the? I'm trying to think because I think this is where the issue kind of ends here. Uh, he and the, he and the faceless one gonna get into a stalemate fight. Um, well, the faceless one is with uh, Ramona. Yeah, and because okay. he must have found her wandering the hallways, looking at Doom's art or something. <laughs> listening to camp town races and um doom who by the way i should mention uh is an action figure variant of doom here he does not have his cape on um he still has his hood but he's got like the uh buck rogers jetpack on mm. and he's walking around carrying his gun so definitely action figure variant there i'm surprised they never made one they should <laughs> but yeah he starts fighting with the faceless one they're both shooting at each other. They both have force fields. So it's like, you know, like you said, it's a standoff, you know, they can't get uh, an up on the other, but then doomsman comes crashing through the wall. And then um, they're both like telling him like, destroy him. <laughs> and then doom's like, Oh, he's hesitating. Like as if he's torn between two masters. So then we get our to be continued into issue three. Yes, the thrilling conclusion in Astonishing Tales number three, um, Doom Must Die. And it picks up pretty much where these are picking up kind of just in order, right, where they leave off. So the Doomsman's not sure who to side with. And then this was this this I, I wrote this down. So the Doomsman's not sure who to side with. They're both kind of making a pitch. Then something happens here. The Doomsman realizes that both potential masters 
because of the way they're trying to get him, have like canceled each other out, which sets him free. I didn't understand really the logic of this. <laughs> yeah, like the faceless one says he's got uh, mental forces greater than Doom's. And so I guess it's kind of canceling out Doom's orders to the Doomsman. And then the Doomsman uh, unwraps his head. And he just looks like um, kind of like Dr. Manhattan from The Watchmen. Yeah, or, uh, yeah. one of those engineer guys from those uh, alien prequels. He's just oh a blue-skinned yeah. bald dude, you know. And um, then uh, the faceless one starts thinking, like, the android's gone mad, even though he's done nothing except take the bandages off his head, and uh, decides to run away and escape. And so then Doom is left with this Doomsman, like, you know, now what do I do with him? Like, the guy was like, oh, the Doomsman's like, okay, so I'm free now because, you know, I, I have this kind of power and they put have canceled each other out. But Doom immediately gets past this and he's like, no, no, he's too smart for this. He, like, uses this mind fusion to get control of the Doomsman again. Uh, and yeah, so the, the faceless one had revealed that he was just a, a body. Uh, it was like an alien being using a body. Which right. Is, Cause, uh, the doomsman grabs the faceless one and kind of like a, a, uh, what do you call that? A full Nelson move. Yeah. And then the, the orb of the faceless one, like, comes out of his body and has like little spider legs underneath it and like drops to the floor and runs off. <laughs> and Doom is like, you know, wait, what? <laughs> so he orders the Doomsman to go after it. But then uh, the, the faceless one's body blows up. So it must've been triggered to detonate if like the head should separate or whatever. Um, Doom is fine, of course, and so he pursues after the the orb spider thing. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to call it, the head, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like just getting uh, too beyond me here. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, the thing, the Kurt Russell version, where there was yes. the, the head that like grew legs all of a sudden and became like a part of the alien. Right, right. It, it does have that kind of effect. Perhaps John Carpenter was reading this story back in the day. <laughs> I have to think he was a comic book fan. John, uh, we're big fans of your work. Please come on and uh, tell us about uh, how you borrowed that, uh, the inspiration from this. Oh, man, talk about <laughs> another guy. It'd be great to have on and talk to. Like, <laughs> he's, he's done so many awesome movies. Wow. I'm gonna ask him. About, I'm gonna ask him about They Live, of course. Oh, well, of course, They Live, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, The Thing. I mean, yeah, wow. <laughs> escape, Escape from New York. Uh, oh yeah, Assault, Assault on Precinct Thirteen. I haven't seen that one yet. That's you should check that out. That's the original one, not the remake. You can skip the remake, but right, the original, right. the original one is is great. Uh, we recommend all these films. I'll put all this in the show notes for you listeners. If you, <laughs> if we're moving too fast and you're like, wait, 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 what are all these movies you're recommending? Um, they're all <laughs> terrific. John Carpenter would be a great director for a, for a Doom, a Dr. Doom film, I'm sure. Hmm. Interesting. I'd like to see what he would do with it. I think he's kind of semi-retired now. 
Um, yeah, because I know he is older now. I, I don't think he's actively like uh, making films the way he used to. I would just get him to do the soundtrack for it, if nothing else. <laughs> well, <laughs> you'll find out if you've not watched any of these movies. Uh, John Carpenter usually does a lot of his own soundtracks. And uh, oh, yes. we forgot totally. Halloween is. Uh, I, I just thought of that when you said soundtrack. Yep, Halloween. And and so if you've heard the Halloween music, uh, and if you've heard a lot of soundtrack, he's them very, all. he's very, <laughs> uh, he's very synth heavy. He, um, they're very. I want to say they're hypnotic in a way, um, but they're they're popular to the point where he not too long ago was doing a tour where he went on tour uh, like with a band and was like playing these things live. Well, this isn't to make fun of John Carpenter, so I don't want anyone upset at me, especially not John Carpenter himself. Um, but I once one of my cousins said, you know, have you ever heard a song from Boston? And I said, sure. And he said, then you've heard them all. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's kind of how I would describe most, not all, but most of Carpenter's soundtracks. Like if if you've seen Halloween, you've pretty much heard all the soundtracks. Now we're going to get the guys from Boston who are going to email us or attack us us on Twitter or something and be like, hey, man, I think you're going to have everyone after me. (laughs) <laughs> You're not giving us enough credit, uh, you know. We're we're the number one band named Boston of all time. By the way, uh, you can direct your complaints to me, Bill. It was not Craig who said it. <laughs> Make sure that you're off the handle here. <laughs> yeah, I I, I uh, field all the responses to our email and Twitter uh, box, so uh, I'll be sure to send those to you, Bill. <laughs> so we get back to the story. So. Doom is attacking what they refer to as his lesser foes, which is just, I guess, like everybody else that's trying to attack in the castle. Um, yeah, the Doom, other Buck Rogers foot soldiers. Uh, there's a good panel here of Doom just mowing them down, uh, not really giving them much credit. Um, he says, behold, dolts, and blast them all back. Um, yeah, he says, feel the savage thirst of naked energy. It's like, whoa, Doom, whoa, naked, hold yeah. on. <laughs> got a comics code here, man. Right. He's yeah. He's just, he's letting it all fly at this point. Um, <laughs> this now this was this I had to question this too. So he's he's uh, he gets back into the he's heading to the control room. Doom's blasted by some electric electronic waves. And Anti-particles, he calls it. They make him disappear from existence, or so it seems. It's a pretty quick turnaround. Like they hit him with this thing, he disappears. They think they've won. They they really were quick to be like, well, who could come back from that? Certainly not the greatest villain of all time, Doctor Doom. Um, I think, <laughs> like, I think we neutralized it. Um, <laughs> so they're all, you know, they think they've won. They're all hailing Rudolfo, uh, except then these tremors start while they're doing this sort of celebration. And then there's a great panel of a huge doom face uh, looking down at everybody, which I'm always a mark for. Like every time we've talked about this, whenever they have these things where doom is larger than life and looking down on the crowds. Yes. And this is larger than life because like it's a view of his face. It just taking up the sky, looking yeah. down over on his castle. They show like some people like outside the castle on the hills nearby looking up. 
and Doom just starts like you know insulting the uh, the insurgents in his castle. Yeah, and he he tells the he says that the uh, the castle is on a fault line, and he's activated uh, like a like a machine underneath that that's going to set off the fault line and basically set off an earthquake and destroy the castle. The rebels all kind of flee to fight another day. The do- as we go back to Doom, he's in a subterranean cavern, and he's using mind control to get the Doomsmen down to him. Um, I think he makes some odd or some quick kind of throw off lines about. Now that I'm back in control, I think he says something about like, the faceless one, who knows where he went, and, you know, Rodolfo's all done. Uh, again, like, not giving Rodolfo any credit, and not that he deserves <laughs> much. Well, Rodolfo tells his people, as they're, like, leaving the, you know, broken apart and shattered uh, castle doom, for everyone to return to their homes while he goes back into exile to plan anew. Uh, he says, doom is won this day, but final victory will be ours. And everybody looks like tired and like some people are helping others to walk out and everything. Rudolfo is beaten. Um, he thinks he's going to turn it into some ultimate victory. It's nice to think positive thoughts. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I think he had his shot at it. So basically, uh, you know, Rudolfo, not any kind of real threat, pretty quickly dispersed. Ramona, I think, is also now let go. And I don't know that Doom has any more interest in her. Um, the Faceless One is also gone. Doom's not. Again, I think a lot of these guys, like you had said, it's more just annoyance. Like he had a plan he was working on. And all this kind of came up during that plan. Um, so now he's back to what he was really concentrating on was the Doomsman. And so Doom's mind controlling him. He's like, well, I, I can't. I don't have the time and energy, basically, to keep you mind controlled forever. So. He runs the Doomsman through a series of like, I guess, like, would you say, like, tests? Like, he's got, you know, people like attacking him and stuff to see, like, what kind of weaknesses and things. And he can't really find any. And even but, calls out Frankenstein, too. Yeah. So, I mean, they make it a little more, you know, implicit there. But he says, um, uh, so Doom's got him back in the mind control state and uses what I would describe as like a parental trick here. And he basically says, like, well, I can't keep you like this forever, but I'm so tired. Uh, I can't help it. I can't help it. I'm falling asleep. Oh, no, I'm asleep. And then the Doomsman's like, he's asleep. This is great. I'm off the hook. And Doom's like, ha, you fell for that. <laughs> and basically, Doom used that, like, brief thing where he, fa- where he faked being asleep to, like, uh, get control again. And he throws the Doomsman into a- another dimension. The other dimension is an like I guess it kind of looks prehistoric and there's there's strange trees and volcanoes. They don't say a lot about what this is. It's just another dimension, another dimension. And yeah, it, it kind of looks like something that Doctor Strange would, uh, some other dimension Doctor Strange would go through. Yeah. So I, I think it's just a generic quote unquote other dimension. You know, he says um, leave, nothing he in says particular. He says he'll leave them there forevermore, and I got a kick out of that. Just like, okay, Doom, this guy has Doom's brainwaves, so he's smart. He's as smart as Doom, supposedly, but not really, because Doom is able to trick him pretty easily with a trick you would use on, like, a four-year-old. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, it doesn't matter how smart this guy is. If he's stuck in this other dimension on this quasi-prehistoric-looking world, he's not going to be able to escape because he doesn't have anything to like build anything with, you know? Yeah. 
doesn't have any sort of technology at his disposal. So yeah, he's just stuck there. I'm not sure that Doom, you know, I think Doom probably picked a potential or a particular place to put him with that in mind. Like I'll put him in this other dimension where these things don't exist. So Doom's a little, you know, depressed about this in a way in that he had this master plan to build this creation and then maybe make a bunch of these creations. And now he's realized like, well, scratch that one. I, I, I made one and that one was didn't really work well. So uh, we're back. To the <laughs> and now he has no back. more castle, you know. Yeah. It's, so it's all a mess. So he, he, but he, he ends on a good note. He says um, basically that, you know, for now, for now he's all sad. He's like, others, others are going to come at me. But I think his line here is um, victory will be mine for now and always. And there's a great final panel of him um, where even though this one didn't work out, it's not left him shaken as we've seen him in some other times. He's, um, you know, he's brushed all the flies away and he's ready for a fresh start and we'll, uh, and that's where this one ends. So this was a, this was a fun little arc, I thought for him. I thought, um, I'm of two minds. Like I like when Doom is up against someone who's his equal, or at least he considers an equal, like a Reed Richards or something. But I think sometimes it's, it's just as fun. And I guess in a different way when he goes up against these people who he has no regard for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I feel much the same way. Um, I think doom works best when he's challenged by someone or something that would be on equal footing with him, which, which uh, Rudolfo is not on equal footing with doom. <laughs> yes. uh, so, I mean, if it came down to any sort of, battle between the two would be a curb stomp fight. I mean, Doom walks away without working up a sweat. Um, so as we get in the next couple of issues here, it'll be uh, the Red Skull showing up. And that is going to be a much more of a, you know, super villain versus super villain affair. So I think Doom will have a better, um, you know, just a better showing overall because it's someone who's going to be more on Doom's level as opposed to, you know, lame Rudolfo, right. <laughs> you know, like he won't put together a plan of like, I'll send this woman who doesn't look anything like Dr. Doom's former love. And that'll confuse him because he thinks that it's his love, even though she doesn't look like her. And, but then he'll figure out it's not her. And that's a part of my plan too. Like what kind of plan is, <laughs> you know, you're, this plan is all over the place, dude. <laughs> and he'll send, he's like, I'll send my robot that looks like me that Doom had already created right. to my place, which will buy me time to get in. And then he makes this deal with the faceless one who we're not really told about a lot about the faceless one. He, he, he brings a little bit to the table and that he allows Rudolfo's men, I guess, a better chance than they would have had because he yeah, arms he them or whatever. Supplying them with their Buck Rogers equipment. But he's, you know, he he's sort of defeated in like Rudolfo we see with his people, and he goes, all right, well we'll fight another day, and they're probably not going to get behind it. Um, R- Ramona, I guess, just goes back with Rudolfo, like uh, I don't know, I, you know, whether or not she had any kind of other thoughts about Doom or something. We don't we don't see any of that Doom. Like we said, we suspect maybe he thought he could use maybe she'd be a good replacement but he also quickly throws that plan away 
the faceless one gets almost as little credit from doom he's just more puzzled by anything uh doesn't really give him a lot of thought afterward so yeah i i i thought it was fun for for that for him to to play with these sort of uh lower tier villains some mid carders uh, you know it works sometimes it's it's sometimes uh, a good mid card showing will put somebody over um, it's really hard against do. It's really hard against Doom, though. I mean, he's just he's just uh, so far ahead of everybody. Um, yeah, I think that um, maybe what they're kind of intending with this, with this opening arc, was that because of the comics code, they had to be careful of how they used Doom. They they couldn't make him the good guy. You know, he couldn't be a superhero. Yeah. Um, he also had to be shown. If I'm remembering the code rules correctly, uh, he had to like be punished at the end to show that like he's in the wrong, you know. And so I think that's why Castle Doom was destroyed, and he was kind of left with nothing by the end. But also, it could be looked at when you have someone like Doom in that kind of situation, that makes him more dangerous because now he's going to want to come back with a vengeance. <laughs> so yeah. like. Doom has to be treated as the protagonist of, of these stories, which he is, but not the hero necessarily. And I think uh, coming up when they start having him take on other villains, that can actually start working within the rules of the comics code. I, I think there was some implication that maybe the faceless one was also... A, a villain of some kind. I guess Rodolfo we're not supposed to see as a villain, even though his people likened him to Doom, um, right? In a very poor manner. And there might have been some subtext to that, or maybe more of a story that they didn't tell here. Where, yeah, Doom overthrew Rodolfo, and in a you know, um, in an evil way by using a, a, a robot clone, and it was an illegitimate claim to the throne, but. There seems like there was some subtext that may have got cut where Rudolfo is just as bad in his own way of a tyrant as Doom. It's just like, well, which which tyrant do you pick, I guess? <laughs> right. <laughs> the devil you know or the devil you don't. Is that how that Cause, goes? <laughs> yeah, because he's not shown to be, you know, he's not talking to his people like, he'll never break our spirit. It's not about me. It's about the team. It's all about him. The people are quick to call him on that. They They really aren't dedicated to following him it's just like well all right um we never really get ramona's take on it like was she his was she doing it out of love out of out of pity out of uh some sort of misguided uh devotion because she thought he was going to be a better leader uh i would say she probably did it out of being misguided and pity because i just don't like Rodolfo. (laughs) we're not fans but if you like i said if you're now before we uh, talk about, we'll cover what we're going to go into next. Uh, if you are a Rodolfo fan, and I don't think you are, but if you are and you're listening <laughs> and you want to tell us about it, you can reach us at a few places. You can uh, uh, find us at the the Dr. Doomcast on Instagram. Uh, you can also find us at just Dr. Doomcast on Twitter. There's no the, just Dr. Doomcast. Also, Dr. Doomcast at Gmail. We had to make a slight adjustment to our Gmail account uh, due to the Latverian rebel attack that we fended <laughs> off. They, they, they claimed that and destroyed it. The castle, Do- Dr. Doom, uh, Gmail. 
So we've created this other one. So it's Dr. Doomcast at Gmail. Um, we, uh, we're collecting your feedback, your questions, and uh, your love of Rodolfo, if it exists. And I, I think it doesn't. But um, And for those, uh, if you're listening, you already found a platform to find us on. Um, we are on uh, Anchor, Anchor FM. We're also on uh, Spotify and Stitcher. So if you uh, want to pass the word out to other people where they can find us, you can find us on those spots. Eventually, I think we'll be on iTunes. Um, why don't you tell us uh, what we're covering next? Now, I, I, I have this. It was a little sneak preview because of the way I was reading these. And I saw what the next one was. Uh, I don't know how many we're covering next time, but I do know that one of the next issues is, is one of my favorite Dr. Doom appearances of all time. <laughs> yes, I know that you were waiting for this one to come up. Uh, I thought of you when I was reading it. <laughs> um, <laughs> next next episode, we'll be covering Astonishing Tales issues four and five, and it features the Red Skull showing up in Latveria, wanting to take it over for himself. Um, you know, he figures while it's in a, the weakened state that it's in, like with the castle being destroyed and everything, now's the time. I always liked the Doom versus Red Skull dust-ups and... Uh, I wasn't let down by this one. There'll be a lot for us to talk about in that. Because uh, Doom does have a crew of cronies, uh, the Exiles. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about them. There's already yeah. stuff I would like to talk about. There, There's something else now. There's the Fantastic Four issue 116 that I had uh, slotted in here. Now, I've read it, and Doom is only in, like, the last third of it or so. What do you think? Do you want to cover that or not? I'll take a look at it and we'll see. I mean, we, we are trying to cover all his all his appearances in our quest here, all his media appearances. So it, maybe we'll touch on it just briefly, just so we're presenting the, the listeners with a complete platter of choices. So we're, you know, we can talk if, more if, about it off off uh, the show, too. Yes, we won't. We so won't. We bore the, uh, yeah, we won't bore the listeners with our behind the scenes machinations. This is all, uh, you know hot industry lingo we're using here so <laughs> podcasting extraordinaires that we are but okay so it's astonishing tales number uh i think you said four and five four and five yes and, and maybe, maybe the fantastic four 116 yes so that is your homework for next time uh uh in addition to sending us in your thoughts about uh william shatner playing rudolfo in the rudolfo <laughs> spinoff marvel movie <laughs> through, through digital de-aging, I guess, like they did with De Niro in that movie, because uh, Rudolfo, I'm guessing, is in his maybe 30s, and Shatner might be in his 90s at this point. Uh, I think he's approaching 90. Wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, you know, Mr. Shatner, when you come on, you can let us know. Uh, your, you can let us know your, your exact age and your thoughts about uh, how well you'd play this role. I, I think he'd be great. <laughs> I think so. Well, we'll leave you there. Uh, until next time. Thank you for listening. <laughs>